This is the I Believe God Biblical Exposition Podcast with William Keys. This podcast serves as a resource of biblical enrichment to help you faithfully navigate every area of your life. Hey everybody, I do trust and pray that you're all doing well. I know that God has caused his face to shine upon us and for that we thank him for his grace and for his mercy. I want to look again at Isaiah 9 verse number 6. Uh, the Bible records, for to us a child is born. To us, a son is given. The government should be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to talk to you today from the heading, from the subject, and with this thought in our mind, the birth of the eternal. The birth of the eternal. Uh, For centuries, uh, mankind has been intrigued by the, the person of who Je- the person of Jesus uh, the question uh, has been risen the question has been raised uh, who is he um, even his disciples uh, as he calmed the raging waters on the Sea of Galilee uh, said what manner of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him uh, this question of who is Jesus Uh, What is his purpose? What is his function? How does he operate uh, within the Godhead? How does he operate uh, within mankind, within the affairs of humanity? Um, That has been uh, the question of theological debate uh, for centuries upon centuries. Um, It reached a tipping point, if you will, uh, at the Council of Nicaea, uh, where the deity of Christ uh, was discussed. It wasn't created at Nicaea, contrary to, to popular belief, um, but the deity of Christ was discussed at the Council of Nicaea in 325 uh, AD. Uh, the truth of the matter is, um, this discussion that has taken center stage within um, the confines of the church, within the confines of uh, the halls of academia, uh, is a relevant question. And it is one that still causes us to uh, scratch our heads and to ponder, uh, who is Jesus? What manner of man is he? Um, I think it's important that, uh, especially in a season uh, such as this, where we take the time to really analyze and look at uh, the impact of Christ coming for us the impact of his birth, um, the impact of uh, him being given for us. And looking at Isaiah uh, chapter 9, where he prophesies the coming Messiah, the coming King of Kings, the coming Lord of Lords, and how uh, his coming is going to uh, sort of uh, bring, or not sort of, but to bring a peace uh, that surpasses all of our understanding. Uh, his coming uh, brought a, uh, a sense of hope, a, a sense of peace uh, that uh, superseded uh, the previous gloom and the previous dark days uh, that, that was ahead of his coming. And so looking at uh, who Jesus is, we have to first recognize that Christ is the Theoanthropus, Theo, meaning God, Anthropus, meaning man. He is 100% God, but at the same time, 
100% man, uh, 100% God, but at the same time, 100% man. And sometimes that is hard for us to fathom. It is hard for us to rationalize that Jesus uh, is deity uh, as well as humanity as he walked the earth. Uh, 100% God, uh, but at the same time, 100% man. And so uh, as we look at uh, the deity of Christ and the humanity of Christ, uh, we see it bridged together here in Isaiah 9, verse number 6. Uh, the Bible says that for unto us, child is born, son is given, right? The government should be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, this particular season, I think we must uh, pay close attention and acknowledge one, the blessing of his birth, two, the beauty of his eternality, and three, the benefits of his name. All right, this, this particular season, I think it's important for us to recognize the blessing of his birth, the beauty of his eternality, and the benefits of his name. So let's look at the blessing of his birth. For unto us a child is born. Uh, a baby is born. A child is born. Christ was born of the Virgin Mary uh, as God um, caused her to be impregnated without knowing a man. Uh, born of the Virgin Mary uh, as prophesied uh, in Isaiah um, and as a witness to by the angel to Mary and also to Joseph uh, that she would give birth uh, to a baby from God. Uh, and and looking at the, the birth of Jesus, uh, we have to go back to Genesis 3, where uh, the serpent has beguiled Eve and fooled Eve uh, and has tricked her uh, into taking of the fruit. And then she given to her husband Adam with her. We look at uh, the, uh, the curse that God placed on the serpent. Uh, in that retrospect of that the seed of the woman is going to uh, bruise, uh, crush the head of uh, the seed of the serpent, right? Um, that the seed of the serpent will bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, but the seed of the woman will crush the head of the seed of the serpent. And so this is that promised seed of the woman. This is that promised seed uh, that a baby will be born, <laughs> a child will be born, uh, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he is the promised seed uh, that has come to crush the head of the enemy. So what is the blessing of his birth? Uh, the blessing of his birth is seen in the fact that he came to allow us to have freedom from sin, allow us to have freedom from the bonds and, and, the, and the wickedness and the peril of sin. The fact that Jesus was born uh, allows us that freedom uh, to navigate in this world of sin and to live a life that is pleasing in the eyesight of God. God has promised 
uh, victory to the seed of the woman. Hallelujah. He has promised victory to the seed of the woman, and that victory has been imparted onto the human race. And so Jesus had to come from the seed of the woman so that we can enjoy a vicarious victory. So the blessing of his birth is that he has come to to deliver us from the bondage of sin. He has come to deliver us from the peril of that wicked taskmaster known as sin. And so the blessing of his birth is seen in the fact that we have the opportunity to walk in newness of life. We have the opportunity uh, to live a holy life. We have the opportunity to do what God has called us to do. And so looking at the fact that he's born, uh, it, it affords us or it, it, it allows us to come to the grips and the understanding uh, that he was not born for any old reason, uh, but he was born uh, so that we can have an opportunity uh, to have access to the tree of life. Right? So the blessing of his birth is the fact that he was born to give us a vicarious victory. Uh, but secondly, we must look at the beauty of his eternality. I love what Isaiah says here. Uh, he says in chapter six, uh, for, or sorry, chapter nine, verse six, he says, for unto us a child is born, uh, unto us a son is given. Notice, <laughs> the child is born, um, but he says the son is given. Why does he do that? Uh, I believe he does that because Isaiah recognizes the eternality of the second person of the Trinity, which is the Son. He recognizes the eternality of Christ in that, yes, the baby can be born, but the Son cannot be born because the Son always was. And so the Son had to be given, right? He recognizes the eternality of the Son. The Son has been with God the Father from eternity past. Uh, there's never been a time where the Son has not been in existence. There has never been a time where the Son did not exist. The Son has always existed with the Father. In the beginning, God, Genesis 1. John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so Christ has always been as the Son with the Father, along with the Holy Spirit. Uh, the Holy Trinity has always been intertwined, has always been one. Uh, there's never been a time where the Son has been in existence outside of the Father, where the Father has been in existence outside of the Son, or where the Holy Spirit has been in existence outside the Father and the Son. It, it, it's always been together. And so there is an eternality associated with Christ. Uh, there's an eternality associated with the Son. The Son had to be given 
because the son could not be born because the son always was. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because what was given from eternity, we have to realize that because Christ is eternal, that what he does for us has an everlasting effect in the Christian's life. What, what Christ has come to do, man cannot undo. <laughs> what Christ has come to do, uh, there is no power outside of God uh, that can undo what Christ did. God reserves the right to undo whatever he wants to do. But even God will not undo his work of salvation. And so, uh, not that he can't, he, he won't. <laughs> uh, he does, he have that power. He, he reserves that right to undo anything he, he wants to undo. Uh, but his love for us will not, will not permit him to undo what Christ has come to do for our life. Christ has come that we might have life and have life more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I am come and that you might have life and have that life more abundantly. And so because Christ is eternal, what he does for us has an everlasting effect. It doesn't just last for the day. His peace that he gives us doesn't just last for a moment. The peace that he gives us doesn't just last for a second, but the peace that he gives us lasts for a lifetime. Psalm 30 verse five says his anger endureth but a moment but in his favor is life in other words his anger endures but a moment but his favor is life lasting it lasts for a lifetime so psalm 35 i'm finished the verse because you know the end of that verse his anger endureth but a moment but in his favor is life weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning that, that, that is what that verse is, is, is kind of referencing here is that the favor of God uh, is, is rooted in his eternality. The favor of God lasts for a lifetime. His anger endures but a moment, but his favor lasts for a lifetime. And so it is everlasting because he's eternal, because Christ is eternal. What he does for us has an everlasting effect on the Christian's life. That's why we can go into tomorrow, uh, despite what today was like, knowing that God is going to be with us on the morrow. God is going to be with us on the next day. Uh, we have to come to this realization that we have a peace that the world cannot boast in. We have a, a security that the world cannot boast in. We have a hope <laughs> that the world cannot boast in. And that is the fact that what Christ does for us is everlasting. Because he's everlasting, what he does is everlasting. When we recognize the beauty of his eternality, uh, we will uh, come to the grips and understanding uh, that one day we're going to spend eternity with him. <laughs> and what a great day that would be that we'll be able to spend eternity 
in the beauty of his presence. Uh, we'll be able to spend eternity in the beauty of his presence where we can see him face to face. Theologians call that particular view uh, the beatific vision, where we can see God face to face in all of his glory, in all of his majesty. We can behold the beauty of his face. Hallelujah. Christ is uh, transcendent. He transcends time. He transcends human thought. He transcends human emotion. Uh, he transcends human circumstances and situations. Uh, we are we're caught up in the moment of everything, but God transcends the moment. That is why uh, we have to learn how to lean uh, and depend upon him. Uh, because Christ looks at things from his eternality. And so what he works may not feel good in the moment, but it is what's good for our eternal state. And we have to realize uh, that there is a there, there is a beauty of his eternality. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Hallelujah for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Uh, whosoever believes in him should not perish, uh, but have everlasting life. Some translations say have eternal life. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 18 says, uh, And Jesus came and said to them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All right. So Christ has come. He has received the authority of heaven and earth. It has been given unto him. Uh, Luke 2 and 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 25 says, For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, think about that. The blessing of his birth and the beauty of his eternality uh, says that he will reign until he's put all of his enemies under his feet. Uh, get those people out of your mind and look at this spiritual. Look at this from a spiritual perspective. Now let, let's mature. Uh, let, let's let's look beyond people and let's let's look at what's going on in the spiritual realm. Uh, the, the spiritual enemies of Christ uh, is what he's going to trample over. Uh, he's going to put all of those enemies under his feet. The spiritual enemies, the spiritual wickedness of darkness that turns us away from God. Uh, Christ must reign until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. Uh, Isaiah 7 verse 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And you know that name Emmanuel means God with us. Hallelujah. Uh, Bethlehem is God with us. E Emmanuel, his name is God with us. His place of birth. Hallelujah is the symbol of God being with us. So after we have recognized the blessing of his birth, uh, the beauty of his eternality, uh, we can now turn to and look at the benefits 
of his name and the benefits of his name notice what isaiah says the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace now depending on which translation you read um, uh, you have either five names or four names uh, most modern translations uh, join wonderful and counselor and call them wonderful counselor and there's four names uh, king james uh, breaks it and says wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace and so there's five names represented uh, in the king james and we know that five is the number of grace right there's five names for him <laughs> In verse 6, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Christ represents the grace of God. Hallelujah. His name represents the grace of God. Notice what Isaiah says. His name shall be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. There's that eternality. Now, he's a wonderful counselor, wonderful counselor, uh, wonderful. Uh, one one uh, one theologian says wonderful uh, could be better translated as miraculous. <laughs> Not only is he a a wonderful counselor, uh, but that wonderful could be uh, uh, translated as miraculous. That his counseling is miraculous and can you see the power in that that device that christ gives you is literally a miracle uh, that the wisdom that he allows us to operate in is literally a miracle uh, it is a wonderful uh, he's a wonderful counselor which means he's full of wonder hallelujah he's full of splendor he, he's full uh, of awesomeness hallelujah uh, he, he's a wonderful counselor wonderful uh, can be translated as miraculous which describes the mighty works of God hallelujah uh, notice that his role of counselor is to provide wisdom his role as counselor provides us guidance and direction for our life. The reason why most of us uh, are running in shambles is because we have neglected uh, to receive counseling from God. We have neglected to receive our counsel from God. And so we have to make sure that we are in position to receive the counseling of the wonderful counselor, the full of wonder, the miraculous counselor. Uh, then the next name he gives is the mighty God. Hallelujah. Uh, he's the mighty God. Uh, understand, uh, God protects his people. Hallelujah. As a warrior would, as a, uh, as a soldier would, God protects his people. And being called the mighty God uh, is uh, a... A connection to uh, the attribute of his divine power as you see uh, in in the earth as a as a as a mighty king 
we see the divine power and the rule of authority um, that Christ has as the mighty God. Then I like what Isaiah says here. He says uh, he's called the everlasting father. And so that links the father uh, with uh, the son in the Trinity. It shows you the, the connection of the father and the son within the Trinity. He's the everlasting father. Uh, the Bible records that this coming king, this coming Messiah, uh, possesses a divine eternity. We talked about the eternality of Christ a little bit. We uh, discussed that he is uh, he is eternal as a being. Hallelujah. He has no beginning as his deity. His deity has no beginning. Uh, he has always been in existence. Uh, he is from ancient times. Hallelujah. And because he's eternal, get this, he will not need a successor. <laughs> uh, you look at the uh, the kings of the earth. Uh, the kings of the earth need a successor. You look at presidents and, and, and all those, they need a successor. There's one coming after the other. There is not one king on earth uh, that has ruled from eternity. <laughs> There's always been someone to follow. But because God, because Christ is the everlasting father, there's no one in front of him and there's no one behind him. <laughs> He's always been on the throne and he always will be on the throne. Then I like what Isaiah says. He's the prince of peace. Hallelujah. The Prince of Peace, which means he comes uh, bringing a divine peace to the earth. Now, uh, this peace that he brings uh, is a is a freedom, as I said before, is a freedom from sin, a freedom from bondage. It is the liberation of his people, the emancipation of of his children. That is the peace that Christ brings. The peace that Christ brings is freedom from the bondage of sin. He is the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. The Prince of Peace. <laughs> the Prince of Peace. That's who he is. And there is no greater peace than to live uh, from outside of the rule of a harsh taskmaster known as sin. There is no greater peace than to live in freedom from sin. Hallelujah. Because sin weighs us down. <laughs> sin won't allow us to praise God like we should. The Bible says that praise is calmly to the upright. Praise is calmly to the upright. Uh, praise is natural to the upright. It's, it's a common occurrence. Uh, but for those who can't praise God, it's because sin is holding our hands down. Sin is keeping our mouth closed. Sin has caused us not to have our heart turned towards God. And so uh, the freedom away from sin 
is peace in and of itself. And that's who Christ is. He's the Prince of Peace. Hallelujah. Notice now uh, what Isaiah says. Isaiah says that his name shall be called. His name shall be called. His name. There is benefits in his name. There's five names here, at least in the King James Version. A King James uh, Version kind of uh, puts a space in between Wonderful and Counselor. Um, it's five names that represents grace. Uh, but notice in the name Jesus, there's five letters, J-E-S-U-S. And the name Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. The grace of God is seen in the name of Jesus. His name literally means Yahweh saves. The grace of God is present in the name of Jesus. And notice what Isaiah says. His name shall be called. We got to learn how to call on the name of Jesus. To call on the name of our Savior. To call on the name of our Lord. We spend so much time calling on others that we neglect calling on the name of our Lord. Call his name. Before you call somebody else's name, call his name. Before you call a, some, some, someone else's, call on the name of Jesus. Call his name because his name, within his name, is the grace of God. Within his name is the love of God. Within his name is the compassion of God. Within his name is the wisdom and divine counsel of God in his name. All we need is in his name. Life everlasting, life eternal is in his name. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call his name. Uh, call his name. And, and that's, that's, that's what we have to do in this season. We have to make sure um, that we put Christ at the forefront, not just in this season, um, but in the seasons to come and the seasons beyond just this Christmas season. Let's make sure that the birth of the eternal uh, is at the forefront. It's amazing how uh, that as a, as a child, as a human child he was born but as the deity the son of God he was given he was born as a baby in his humanity but his deity was given hallelujah as the son of God second person of the trinity he was given for us where was he given for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Where was he given? He was given on a hill called Calvary, where they hung him high, stretched him wide. They put nails in his hands, drove nails in his feet. They put a crown of 72 thorns upon his head and pierced him in the brow 
with the thorns. Uh, they whipped him all night long. They pierced him in the side until blood and water came out. And he died. He was dead before they pierced him in the side. He was dead before uh, they tried to break his leg, but not a bone in his body was to be broken as it was prophesied by the prophet. Not a bone in his body was to be broken. So before they could break his legs, he gave up the ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Not a bone in his body was broken. He died for us willfully. Willingly, he died. He died. But I, I know that's not how the story ends. It's not just because someone told me, but because I believe and I know um, that early on resurrection morning, he rose from the grave. He rose from the tomb, got up with all power in his hand, all power in his name. Don't know what time it was, but all I know is that it was early. <laughs> Can you say early? It was early on resurrection morning. He was given for us. And that is the beauty of his birth. The fact that he came, he lived, died, was resurrected, and he ascended back to the Father. And now he sits on the right hand, making intercession for us. So in this season, make sure we recognize the blessing of his birth, the beauty of his eternality, and the benefits of his name. Call on his name. Call on his name and pull on the grace of God. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your birth. We thank you that you were given for us. We thank you, O oh God, that you uh, have decided to come, dwell in flesh, dwell amongst mankind. We're grateful for your sacrifice. We're grateful uh, that, you, that you decided uh, to extend your hand of grace, to extend your hand of mercy. We recognize, O oh Father, that we do not deserve your hand of grace. We do not deserve your hand of mercy, but yet you extended it even so. And so, God, we're grateful for your birth. We're grateful that you are given. We honor you. We praise you. We resolve in our mind and our heart that we will call upon your name because we know that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous runneth into it, and we are safe. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Thank you for your birthday. Thank you, O Father, for your eternality. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. May heaven smile upon you. And remember to continue to believe God. God bless you. You've been listening to the I Believe God Biblical Exposition Podcast with William Keys. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on YouTube and visit us at www.williamtkeys.com. Have a good day and remember to continue to believe God.